0: Welcome to the Why Gotta Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And Jahan. Wow, how did I
1: get here? What happened? Hey, I, I know. You're, I don't know. This is unbelievable.
0: My boss, but also a fantastic co-host. Wow.
1: Look at that. Also. Boom shakalaka. Wow, there we there go. We go. What, I'm I'm here. <laughs> Thank you everybody for having me. Uh that's it. Okay, now All back right. to the show. Here and
0: then go. uh we have the remarkable producer Nathan. I I feel yeah. like with today's guest if you listen to the Gravity podcast, we started the way they did. So um we'll let him do that. We ha- we have Matt Tebby with us. <laughs> he uh, I I had to throw that in there. We yeah. we have Matt Tebby with us. Uh he recently wrote a book with Ben Sternkey, Having the Mind of Christ: 8 Axioms of a Robust Faith. And really the question that um they landed on as we prepared for this episode is why is it
1: so hard to change Hmm. before we jump into matt uh john what, what do you think what do I think? Wow. I mean, this is a very timely question. I feel like a lot of people are considering this. If, if it isn't on the forefront of their mind, maybe they wouldn't explain it necessarily this way. But I feel like a lot of people wonder why they are stuck where they're at. So you don't have to be a person of faith to really feel that way. I feel like a lot of us. Um, feel that way we're, we're stuck it's really difficult for us to navigate life and that's why i think this conversation is going to be a really good one for us just to pause reflect and, and think about that a little bit more i love it i love yeah. it
0: well matt welcome mm-hmm. and um since our last time together i think it was in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> in the deconstruction yes. and all that stuff give us a little update you know how are you doing what's changed what's new
2: yeah, yeah. Thanks, and thanks for having me. Good, it's good to see you guys again. Um, well, I've been on a little mini sabbatical from church for a couple months this summer, and that's been nice. We've got, a, you know, I co-pastor with Ben and another guy named Spencer at our church, and they've sort of taken the reins and led things, so I could have June and July off. Mm. Um, and I've gone on a couple of retreats. I've traveled. Uh, I just got back from the gym. I've given myself an extra forty-five minutes at the gym to uh, sit in the sauna. Guys, uh I I have developed this habit of praying in the sauna. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it.
1: Uh anyway, so that's part of Lord help me get of, out uh, of here please. <laughs> and this is and this is painful. Please, Lord, let me get out. <laughs> <laughs> I have
2: not yet sweated blood, but I have that's sweated good. pretty profusely, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh so that's that doing that, we, you know, this book just came out a couple days ago that Ben and I uh, have been working on. Um Yeah, I mean uh not much else is new my kid i got a teenager now geez i got a teenager and a 10 year old and they're amazing and they start school in a week and i think that i'm more happy that they're going back to school than they are so that's the update from the tebby house
0: love it well to to just get us started um you know i i kind of want to start personal i think that's one of the great things about having john here as a co-host is you know we we care and love about your book but i think more important why and You know, as you, I mean, gravity exists so that the love of God is reflected in leadership, and you've shared just kind of your spiritual journey of how you've landed. How has your own change in your life shaped the way you communicate change, not just to leaders, but
2: to the people you pastor and even to our listeners? Yeah, man. Yeah, Pierre, that's a great question. Well, going back to what John said, I think it's very autobiographical for me, you know, I think, um, more, more being frustrated why other people wouldn't change. I think it's come out of my own wrestling and of my own obstinance or failure in changing, you know, even deciding to change, making a plan to change, having a vision for change, and then still being an idiot, you know, and, and not changing. And I think, I think rather than just sort of doing the same thing over and over again, right. Being, in, um, it's going insane. Um, I think that it, I, I had to ask, you know, which is very appropriate for the show. Why, why, what's in the way, what's going on? Um, why can't I, why can't I do this? You know, um, and I remember one of the key pieces uh, that just came to mind as I was sharing that. One of the key pieces was I was listening to uh, Robert Downey Jr., you know, Iron Man. Um, I was listening to him talk about sobriety because, you know, he, he for a long time was an addict, kept getting hauled in front of judges in prison. And he kind of was was like last chance, you know, before going to prison for decades because he kept getting busted. And he said, and he reflected back on how he changed, how he got sober. And he said, you know, it wasn't hard getting sober. That's not hard. He said, what's hard is wanting to be sober. And I thought, oh man, there's something in there for the church. And so then gravity is a project of reckoning with, I mean, humans are creatures that will ultimately, primarily, eventually do what we want. And so even if we think we want to change, but we don't, there's something going on inside. There's some kind of desire or want that we're fulfilling and not changing. And unless we face that and reckon with that, we'll find it unfortunately necessary to keep failing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, We tell ourselves we want this, but really we want something more and that's running the show. So for me, it was, you know, it wasn't just Robert Downey Jr. God bless him. But it was a, it was a number of Christian tradition we drew upon and a lot of um, other readings and writings that helped me sort of, and Ben just come to the place of, we have to reckon with desire in order to understand why we don't change. And until we do that, We're just gonna be on this hamster wheel.
1: Hmm. This is that's really good. I mean, in my life, I feel like one of the places maybe maybe the final frontier of change for me has been in some of the dynamics I feel like that I carry into relationships. Um, you know, the way that I interact with people. I'm finding myself stuck in patterns of relating in certain ways and and really needing You know, people outside of me to help guide me through a healthier way of, of change, and and really needing a desperation almost inside of me to, for there to be another way, um, Mm. that that, that's kind of my story in, in terms of change. And in some ways I'm still navigating through that. You know, um, how about for you, where, where was that pain point for you that you felt like, man, I, I, I really want change in this area.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, this just kind of gets into a couple of the axioms in the book. One of the axioms is God is always present at work. And I think um, I'll just give you a little scenario. So I work in my, up here in my office, I'm working, I work from home and uh, Sharon has some part-time jobs, but she takes on some of the, that's my wife, sorry. Sharon is my wife. (laughs) She takes on some of the primary responsibilities of, of cooking. So I'd come down from my office, you know, my commute from decompressing from my work to the, table is 23 seconds and so there's not much decompression time not much uh getting getting into family mode time and and there was this recurring happening that i would scan the table and see something that i wanted missing so we're having chili and she didn't cut onions or everybody has a drink but me or or everybody has a fork but i have to get my fork and plate out and all this all this thing. And I, and I had this recurring irritation, agitation. And, you know, usually it was just like a low key, low grade agitation that would sort of, you know, as long as nothing else happened, it would just kind of bubble under the surface. But once in a while it would, it would come out in some kind of passive aggressive way or a pouty way, or sometimes, you know, just like raising my voice a bit, you know, I I don't need another sermon about how I shouldn't let my wife have it. I think I got that covered, but, but in that moment, It just, it feels like the truest thing in the world to me. My body's like, yes, we are going to make this a big deal, you know? Um, And so for me, then it was, it was not trying to judge that or fix that, but it was becoming like, you know, this podcast It was becoming curious. Why does this matter to me so much? Why do I have so much invested? What's at stake in there not being onions on the table? What, you know, and then, and then other questions, what story does that, ignite in me or light up in me. And, and after just some processing time, this is actually what we do gravity and um, processing time with friends and, and Ben, it was like, you know I have this I have this story that lives in my body, John, that I don't matter. I don't matter. What I want doesn't matter. my needs don't matter. And I go looking for confirmation of that story unconsciously, right? I'm not like acting, it's not on my to-do list, but unconsciously that kind of thing lives in my body, right? It's part of the brokenness of the world, I think. Um, And, and so this is why it's so significant when Jesus calls people into a family and gives them authority and power. Like, there is a, there's a deep sense of you matter. Not only do you matter, but the church is like this instrument through which God's going to declare the his wisdom to the cosmos, right? So not only do we matter, we have infinite significance and worth. Uh, and so it would make sense, then, that part of the sin and brokenness of the world would manifest itself in me getting slightly irate that there aren't onions on the table, right? That that, that brokenness lives in me. So so then I think then it, it, it resolving that was simply like, well, this is a meeting place with God. God's present at work right here in my anger. Not when I stop being angry, um, but, but in the midst of the anger, it's like an altar call you know it's it's a it's a call to trust that jesus is lord to receive that he sees me that i matter that these uh, that i'm giving way more power to these onions making them an idol than they're worth and that nobody at this table is trying to communicate you don't matter you know, so, I, mean, oh, I, I want to get really so granular good. with this stuff, you know, yeah. because I think we can talk about it abstractly. But your question really, I think, helps unlock uh, where does this stuff get purchased in our lives?
1: Right. Oh, man, that's so good. And and the as you're explaining that you're kind of highlighting something i think that in in the christian tradition often is separated from from our emotions and our spirit is the body like it, it's very easy to have a yeah. disembodied faith and what you're talking about is yes. something that's that's actually an embodied faith where you believe that that perhaps even the clues that your body is giving you is an opportunity to pay attention so when do you know, for instance, that your body is giving you those clues? Like you, you kind of hinted at that. But for you, what does that feel like in those moments where you're like, oh, may, yeah. I, I need to pay attention right now?
2: Yeah, yeah. So this is part of um, one of the practices we have in our book is we just learn to pay attention. Be more present. Be more aware. Be less in our heads and the spinning, churning, you know, to-do lists or daydreams, etc. Just keep coming back to here. Come back to now. Um, as, and so there's a few things that, that I, you know, if, if it's hard, we call these Kairos moments, Kairos just means time. And it just means here's an opportunity for you to enter more fully into the kingdom. Um, and so one of the things is like, pay attention to things that, that won't be in the new creation, you know? So things that aren't fruits of the spirit, irritation, right? Selfishness. Just pay attention to these things that pop up. And instead of, you know, whatever we do moralistically to work on ourselves, to try harder to be better, just simply be present to them. Gosh, I'm really agitated right now. You know, just like learn how to be with it, right? Learn how to like name it. So, I mean, that's that's one practice. And then I have to actually, you know, in scenarios with people I love, I have to actually tell on myself. Um, because if I don't, it just like has dominion in me. So I, so, you know, with the onion example, Hey, I just want you to know, here's the story I'm telling myself about. They're not being onions. And I know that's not your intent. And I just want you to know that I'm trying to like soothe and be present to that and not let it control me. But if you read any kind of irritation, that's where that's coming from, you know, and then give space for my wife to have her own Kairos of like Feeling threatened that she didn't do the right job, or she forgot again, or you know what, you know whatever. So strong emotions is one. Um, that's a that's a big one. Um, paying attention to your body. So when we prayed, when you prayed uh, to begin our time, Peter, uh, I've started. You know, I know folding hands is kind of a, kind of the Western thing to do. You know, in Scripture they raised their hands, they held their hands up, palms up, extended. Um, you know, priests and some traditions still do that when they pray. It's called Oran's position. Um, but I've started to, uh, I don't know if this is scandalous or not. I've started to put one hand on my heart and the other hand on my belly. Uh, because when I do that, I feel my body and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? You know, what, you know, like what's actually happening in my body? And if, if our body is the dwelling space for the spirit, then we should expect there to be our body to give us information about what the spirit's doing. Right. Um, and so it and gets back to your comment about us having this over cognitive, over intellectualized, like living in our heads. And so if I live in my head. I mean, I'm I can show you the books I got around here. I'm just reading voraciously, but if I put my hand on my heart and my hand on my belly, when I pray, I'm reminded that like breathe. And I'm reminded like, no, it's my body, not my, not my head. It's my body where the spirit dwells. And so I want to reconnect to that. So that's another practice or place that we can have these awarenesses, right? So
0: at some point, I want us to kind of walk through the axioms, but I think what I love what you're doing is you're taking, you're really, this is super practical. So I'm going to take a huge risk here because you have the onion Example. I'm just going to throw an example and kind of, I I want you to play jujitsu with me, you know, maybe a little spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, probably my most unsanctified moments in my life is when my two daughters and my wife and I are about to leave the house. Um, because inevitably, um, somebody needs their water cup filled. Now we live in (laughs) Rochester, New York. Um, you know water is pretty prevalent you know everywhere but you know for some reason when i get into the car after feeling like we're five minutes later and who knows like we don't sometimes it's we're just going to the store but i there's this angst of that and i'll even go a step deeper my parents are wonderful people so please hear this as is. And they we,
1: listen to this podcast regularly.
0: Maybe, but <laughs> anyway, um, we'll take a rip. Right. You have to do that
1: caveat because they listen or? Well, you know, you just, you know. you just want to mm-hmm. take a right.
0: And I don't know which one, but we were going to drive my brother to college in Missouri. And hmm. I got in the car because I had thought we were leaving at 10 a.m. And I sat in the car for maybe 20, 30 minutes. And we didn't leave until I think it was 3.00. And there's just, oh. there's a lot of stuff going on. You're trying to get a, you know, a student ready for college. So like as I'm older, but I'm just kind of giving you that scenario because I'm just kind of in yeah, the yeah. infancy of being aware of these things. And I think people have these things. How would you push back in a healthy way on me, you know, in that conversation?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't push. I would just say, um... A couple of things. One, Peter, like it's grace that you can recognize that the person you are in that situation, impatient or angry, I don't know how you would name it, frustrated, uh, like blaming, resentful. I mean, however it shows up for you, that that person um, will be different in the new creation. Just think of all the times we are cotton-headed nanny muggins and we don't even know it. You know, we don't even know that we're being jerks. So it's grace that you can see that. Then I think it's worth talking about what do we typically do with that, right? Like we typically try to stuff it, try to like keep it inside until it explodes, right? And then we we either feel bad about, we either feel bad on on the inside, or feel even worse that it comes out later. And I just want to part of part of what this book is hoping to do is give us a new imagination of. No, that's this anger coming to the surface, this impatience coming to the surface. This is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. You've got, there's something in your life that's coming out of you. Because your daughter's being late isn't making you angry. That's how we typically think about this, right? No, no, no. I got this anger in me and my daughter's being late. My anger's like, all right, settle up your horses. Let's do this. Come on. Let's get, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And so like, if we can just name like, oh, this is a grace that this thing in me is now on the surface and I'm aware of it and God is getting his hands on it. Yeah. And so the, uh, I don't know this, I don't know if this is like too cute for uh, your podcast, but what we do with it is we just have to name it and let it be like, let it sit there, label it. I'm really impatient right now because my daughters uh, don't have their water and this is happening again. And I've, I've tried to give them alarms. I've tried to fill up their waters before we go. I've done all these strategies to not get in this place and I'm right back here. Right. The second thing is we ask the question, why does this bother me so much? Why? And there's, there's like 16 ways to ask that question, Peter. One of them is what's at stake for me in this? what what do i lose if we're late what threat does their lack of regard for getting ready to lead leave what threat is that to me right cuz you're you're coming by this honestly there's something living in you buddy right just like there's something living in me you're not just being wantonly like wicked you know what i mean there's something living in you that this coheres with it's coherent. And so just being curious, which is what you guys do on this podcast all the time, learning to be compassionately curious with ourselves in moments where our badness is online. Um, We can begin then we can begin then to cooperate in that compassion with the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance can begin to like explore wow why does this bother me so much so i just asked that question peter what is it about getting in a car and people not being ready why does that bother you so much
1: wow i'm glad you asked it matt cuz if you didn't i was going to so that's good <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know um we just have to we have to model the way here so uh, you know uh, you know honestly, I haven't really thought about it. Um, and, you know, and so my first kind of, this is John always pushes me to go deep, but the surface thing is usually we're going somewhere that I just want to get done with, you know? And one of the things that I struggle with is Mm. I want to know when something's finished. Um, and so I I think that there's a part of that where interesting, where like, Hey, we need to get go. And, and even like probably what I would explore if I had a coach, a spiritual director or a counselor is like this incessant need to get the stuff done. And so, you know, if we're late for other mm. people, you know, it, I can already imagine myself, like if we're late, we said we were going to be somewhere and we're five minutes late. Like I can already see myself almost sweating and kind of walking in there and being like, I'm so sorry that we're late. Cause I'm thinking this person thinks that I am the biggest mismanager of time. So there's that, but I think even yeah. that question, I'm trying to answer mm-hmm. it, but it's complicated because it's, there's different scenarios, but it's trying yeah. to kind of land where you landed with the, with the onions of, okay,
2: I matter. Yeah. And, and right now. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So yeah, keep. Well, I was going to say there's, there's um, so in, in our training and, Um, in, in the Christian tradition, there's like human created needs. All humans are created to need, um, at least three things. Uh, one of them is belonging, you know, another one is safety and security. And another one is significance, you know, and as I'm listening to you talk and we could, we could have a, uh, six week podcast on, um, on how that shows up all through the Bible, Bible narrative and how the kingdom of God is about all that and adoption, right. And authority and power. And, um, you know, I'm always with you. I'll never forsake you all these kinds of things. Right. But, um, as, as I listen to you talk, um, I hear two things, at least two things, Peter, one is what will other people think of me? Right. What will people, what, what will people think of me because of these these goobers that, that made me late. And, t- and two, um, this is what I do. I manage my time well. And other people are compromising what I'm good at. Right? So there's, there's your significance in what you do well. And there's your belonging in what other people think. And these are these aren't just wants. These are like if you if you don't if, if a baby doesn't have safety or nurture and intimacy and belonging or a sense of that that uh, they learn how to have power. They they grow up and and we know this from like tragic stories. They aren't recognizably human. <laughs> like they grow up and they're just they're not recognizably human. So you've got some needs created needs that you've hooked on to certain things. And those things are getting threatened. And you feel mm. scared, anxious.
1: What? Does that make sense? You guys tracking? I'm tracking with you. I don't know what <laughs> Pete's doing over here, but I'm tracking, I think you're, yeah, that's a great analysis of what, how does that make you feel when he's describing that? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you,
0: you were a fly on the wall, you know, in my therapy session. So, and and the reason I'm glad that you're doing that and even kind of naming it, is yeah. like we could go through all eight axioms and just have you list them off, but I think what's important about yeah. this, number one, John, you and me would all say we we have the onions, we have the water before we leave the house. We'll get to John's thing. Yeah, you well, know. I'll, yes. I'll share whatever I yeah, got. Yeah. But, it's nothing really. It's no, but no. what
2: <laughs> we're. His, his is is the onions.
0: His is the (laughs) (laughs) onion. It's just, it's it's
1: It's weird how that works anyway.
0: But, but what I, (laughs) what I love about this is whether someone's de-churched or unchurched or you're a skeptic, like no one wants to be the angry person. And then you, you put in Christianity and now it's like, I'm not only the angry person, but Jesus is angry, like angry at me for doing this. But what you've, what you've flipped And even what I'm hearing is there's this healthy desire for belonging and significance that thank God that this is coming to the surface, because it's as if God is giving you this gift and this choice. You don't always have to live this way.
2: Yes. Yes, Peter. And can I push it one more, one more step forward? You, you, as, as a beloved, as a beloved child of God, As a kingdom citizen, you have all the significance you can possibly handle. It's all a gift, and so then, the part of the repentance is: this cannot threaten my significance and who I am, and I get to order time as an expression of God's power in my life rather than to prove it rather than to like And you know in protestant circles we talk about earning it and i I think that sometimes is right but i don't think you're trying to earn god's favor i just think you get a sense of accomplishment and significance from what you're good at which i think is appropriate but it can become idolatrous how do we know when we flip our lid at our kids (laughs) You know what I mean? And then we're like, oh, look at this. God has given into my lap a place where I have taken a gift and made it into something that has to do work for me. And now I get a chance just to receive it as gift. So so I unhook, I, I call it, I unhook who I am from being on time. So now I can be on time or not. And I'm okay. You know what I mean? Which, which, which is, that is salvation, Peter. Like that's being saved. That's getting saved. Right. And I, I think it sounds so mundane, so ordinary, so, you know, non-spiritual that we dismiss these portals into the kingdom of God all the time. We, you know, we, we just, um, we, we don't have the eyes to see how significant these events are and i think i think i don't know i've I've experienced this is how i change i meet jesus at 5 15 at this table with these onions not there or i don't change one more thing then you know, we'll get to john um
1: because <laughs> they're not he's not gonna, gonna let me off the hook and you that's not no, that's, well, that's, that's what good. he would do for me that's, that is true i would know, do so, that so.
0: Um. So we say things like at Browncroft, one of our, like, you'll hear it repeated, like the gospel is something to be believed, not good advice or something like that. And what I hear you even say, because that sounds so like intangible. But what you just did with me was, (laughs) hey, like the good news is you don't have to prove yourself because Jesus loves you. And, and that kind of seems yeah. that kind of seems so intangible but when you say hey because you're significant because what god has done for you you don't have to be upset because you're late or that doesn't have to tie to, and i might not be wording it right but yeah. but that like like we think the gospel is like you know cuz you you said it you're like no that's salvation and we think it's you know the Robert Downey Jr. save us from, you know, going to prison and wanting to change. And what you're kind of saying is, no, there's these really small crevices in our life that all of a sudden something boils up that Mm -hmm. God actually wants to save you from, you know, uh, an unhealthy, and maybe again, this isn't the way to say it, an unhealthy need to belong, an unhealthy need for safety, an unhealthy need for significance. Uh, I mean, all of a sudden, that's like the most compelling vision for Christianity of all time, but especially for us in two thousand twenty
2: two yes, yes, and I again, uh part of what we train people to do is proclaim good news, so we're not heaping up heavy burdens on people, right Peter, you shouldn't care this much about being on time. Stop it like that's not good news, that's the advice you're talking about right uh it's and you know it's impossible if you could have done that already, you would have right um but but rather. Rather, the good news is, uh, is Peter, I've created you to express my authority in this world, the way you order and arrange time. And I want to teach you to trust me, even when time, when you're not in charge of how time is spent, when you aren't in control of your schedule, and you are afraid. I want to teach you how to trust me now that that's good news, right? Because then, then when you're coming into this place of anxiety or fear or anger, it's a, it's a church bell. I'm sorry. That's an old, you know, it's a 200 it's a, it's a call to prayer. This is, this is Jesus in his severe mercy, trying to free me up from having to be on time to be okay. So that I can more fully and graciously express his authority in what he's given me to do your turn
1: oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> or wherever you want to go <laughs> no that's 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 really good i mean i think i'm I'm just following with you, Matt, and what you're saying and um, I think in my life, I'll just use a today example because yeah. i love using uh, you know, as the most recent examples as I possibly can in, in, in these type of situations. Um, I, I went to uh, Buffalo Bill's training camp this morning uh, with my son, who's 17, and we've been doing this for probably, I think this was our eighth year doing nice. this. And when we started going, uh, my son was little, so, you know, he would always bring football cards with him and he'd have the guy sign them. And it was kind of our, our thing, right? We was kind of our little bonding thing. <laughs> and, uh, so we went with, uh, my nephew and my brother-in-law and us too, we went and, um, my son really didn't want to get any autographs today. And, um, he's like, I kind of outgrew that. I don't want to be that guy. And mm-hmm. um, part of me was like, totally resonated with that. Like, OK, I'm, I'm cool with that. But then another part of me, I was like feeling this kind of anger inside of me. Like, well, why wouldn't you? What like you like? Yes, you have these cards They're They're here. You could sign them like what? Why, and I found myself pushing back a little bit internally, hopefully not externally to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. I felt the, I felt that presence there, and I, I realized in in many ways. Now, no matter, I'm bringing you into the journey here. Pete knows this journey for me in my life, but. Um, over the last year and a half, I lost my mom and then I lost my dad just Mm -hmm. simply, uh, three months ago or so. And so this whole process for me, I feel like over the last two years has been grief, grief and loss, grief and loss. Yes. And, and I feel like. I've done my best to lean into grief and loss, but every turn there seems to be another uh, way that I'm confronted with grief and loss. And I think even in that moment, I was grieving losing, uh, you know, this part, this part of our relationship, even as a dad, this, this little tradition, it was a little tradition that all of a sudden used to be very meaningful and now is gone. And. I think the the anger was a result of grief and sadness yeah. and I had to to just acknowledge it internally um even in the midst of that. So does that does that jive with what you're your Yeah, dude. Sounds like you've done some work on it. That. Yeah, it sounds like you've well, done some work yeah. on it. I I'm I think... old so I've done work but <laughs> <laughs> That's that's I mean, you know, that's years upon years. I'm older than Peter, so I, I've I've been down this road, you know. So anyway, that's that's the day. Yeah, you know, you um, I'm glad
2: you connected. I'm glad you reported that it was you you experienced an anger, but upon reflection you realized it may be more of grief. Um anger anger is typically a cover, meaning um especially for guys, it's much easier to experience anger than vulnerability sadness, right? Weakness. (laughs) Like it's way much easier for us to get angry because, you know, we've just been conditioned that way. And so, yeah, I think this is actually a precious moment that you, you had these seminal losses in your life that you didn't choose. that happened to you and you had to deal with the grief that caused. And then this, in this beautiful place, right? where you're not expecting today to have your grief come online your son your son indicates i've i no longer want to do that and so once again you have to lose something you didn't choose to lose right and and i think i think it's beautiful to just so so i mean we could just talk about this therapeutically but i want to i want to talk about it in the kingdom of god because um i think what you're doing John is your like sad things are sad. And when we give ourselves over to being sad, I know it. I know it's like treated as a disease in our culture, but when we allow ourselves to be sad, we are actually confessing the truth about things. We're actually aligning our, we're weeping at the tomb with Jesus. Like sad things are sad. And so just giving ourselves over, one of the axioms is God is so real. He most fully meets us. And our messy reality, like when we tell the truth about ourselves and about what's happening, God is present there, really present. So I just want to affirm, John, like working through that and being like, okay, this is why this bothered me. This is why I was not okay with that. And it was a surprising not okay, right? So this is part of, uh, they're five minutes late and I'm surprisingly agitated or my son doesn't want to get cards. I didn't know this mattered to me this much. I guess it does. And I'm going to, I'm, you know, a borderline jerk right now. You know what I mean? Like whatever. I think those surprising things are indications that there's more going on below the surface for me. And I think you, you, you just, you working through that and saying, oh man, this is something else I've lost. Cash, how many of these, you know, and that may lead to, I just maybe need to cry or I need to let God have it. God, how many other things am I going to lose? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of faithful ways of navigating loss and sadness that Scripture gives us, and so yeah, and that's that's a that's a great example, I think, man. And then I, I think the good news is, sad things are sad. Mm. Feel free you know, to grieve. You know, I'm, I'm
0: listening to this, and <clears throat> you know it. I'm I'm inspired, you know, in a new way, you know, because I think we've heard a lot of this, but there's a way that you're communicating that it's all kind of coming together in an awesome way. But like, I, I want to throw out something that Christians say all the time, like take up your cross and follow me, die to yourself. And maybe I'm like the only one to actually like admit that, but like that just sounds terrible. Like I, like, cause <laughs> even the way, even the way people say it, it's <sighs> like, Like, probably the message that I'm telling myself, and again, I want to go back to what, because you said this isn't therapeutic, this is theological too. But like the way people say it, it's it's almost manipulative it can feel, where it's like, (laughs) there's something wrong with you, so die to yourself and carry your cross. Or, you know, you're going to be asked to do something, and then you're trying to manage this tension of, do I need to put a boundary up, or am I trying to carry your cross? But I think what you're saying is, Hey, there is good news to the gospel. Sad things are sad, but dying to yourself, it it's not this horrible thing as we make it. It's actually bringing you new life in yes. even the deepest crevices of your life.
2: Yes. Yeah, Peter, I I think when you in when you face that anxiousness in the car and you receive good news. Hey, the, you know, my daughters are not threatening anything because I I have all this authority. I mean, however you however you proclaim the gospel to yourself, um, you are actually dying to yourself. You're, tra- you know what I mean? Like, because yourself wants to control and arrange the schedule of everybody around you so that you feel powerful and you look good. And I I said that pretty crassly, right? And I don't mean that as an accusation. I'm just trying to sh- speak in shorthand here, right? That's the self. But if you if you if you kiss that self with the love of the gospel and 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 allow that self to be placated or appeased with Jesus, just just hold it, hug it, right? Then you're you're dying to it. You you're you're not in, get, indulging it, right? So we could use the metaphor like that. There's so many more things. I'm I, I'm always two seconds away from a rant here, guys, and I I apologize. But there's so many other things to talk about with that whole thing, right? You have to die to yourself. Oftentimes, oftentimes that's um, used to uh, gaslight people, right? To to encourage them to um, mistrust what they're experiencing, or mistrust their conscience, or or to bypass what's actually going on, right? Um right. So so John, you shared about your parents dying and we received it and we honored the grief there. Right. But if but if I respond, um, and I don't know if you guys ever had somebody do this, but if I would have responded to, yeah, but think about all the good times you had with them, right? Or, you know, God brought you to it, he'll bring you through it, then I haven't actually touched your grief at all. I've bypassed it. And and I think that oftentimes the pick up your cross and die to yourself is used. Because we don't want to grieve, mm-hmm. we don't want to be sad. You know what I mean? Um, let yeah. me. Let us There's go more to more. say about that. No, no. I want you to ahead. come back to that,
0: but just as I was listening, because I, I think I love the direction. This is why we invited John for this conversation. Because there's a thought, even without other people, I could get in the car and say, "I'm going to die to myself by not trying not to care." about us being (laughs) late and you're laughing because you know exactly where that leads. Like I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. It, it, it leads to more resentment. And what you're kind of saying is, and John and I were having a conversation before and John kept on like saying to me, he's like, we're still at the surface. We're still at the surface. And yes. And, and what you're kind of saying for this Christian life is there's a way more robust way. It's not just be aware of your feelings or be aware of your reactions it's deep deep down there's some things that you need to allow to to feel experience yeah that when you do die to yourself it's actually new life on the
2: other side yes and and i just want to say that uh many of us have to go to a counselor's office to to get this kind of soul work but but i learned this from jesus Like Jesus did this with people. He excavated their hearts. He always asked them why. He 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 got ecstatic when James and John were like, We want you to do whatever we whatever we ask. You know, which is such an impetuous thing to say to the Messiah, right? And Jesus is like, What do you want? I think he was just excited somebody was gonna stop BSing for a bit and actually share what they want. There was no game. There was no hustle. There was no honor contest. It was just like crassly. I'm going to ask for power, which is what they did. Right. I think Jesus was overjoyed. Why? Because all the hustle, all the pretense, all the lying, all of it was gone. And he could just, he could just deal with what's really going on with these two guys. You know? And, um, I, and I think that I, I just want to say like, I, I learned this kind of way of of operating with Jesus. Like from Jesus. I think most of us would be embarrassed to say, you know, I don't know, you, uh, you made the, the joke earlier, Pete, that now you work for John. Can you imagine going to John and saying, John, I want you to do for me whatever I ask. <laughs> oh, he and has then, already. And so John, no. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but then John going, okay, what do you want? And you being like, <laughs> yeah. I want, Almost as much power as you. I mean, that is like we would most of us would feel embarrassed to have that conversation. Right. And Jesus welcomes it because they're actually putting their desire out there. You know, and I, I just want to once again, just frame this as I think this is how Jesus discipled people.
1: Hmm. M- Matt, I, I, as you're talking, I mean, there's I, I got five questions in my head, So, I'm, but I'm just going to pick yeah. one of them. Uh, what do you think is the biggest, um, obstacle in our way in our society right now from experiencing mm. change, like true, mm. meaningful change? What's the thing that, that is getting in the way?
2: Oh man. Uh, you know,
1: can I Bible juke you and say like Sin. Can I do that? Sure. You can say that. Um, it's you know, You're know you the guest on the <laughs> podcast. You can say whatever you want to say. That's cool. Well,
2: so, yeah, there's a lot of things that are flowing through my head. I mean, we could talk macro, right? So we could talk, um, the way that the gods of our world order and shape our lives without even us knowing it, right? Um, We could talk about, you know, we talked a little bit about our need to control things, you know, self-willfulness. And I think that's a huge part of this. But I I, want to come back to something I said earlier. I actually think Robert Downey Jr. is right. I think he's right. I think the biggest thing that gets in the way of change is that deep down, we don't want to. We don't want to. And another way to say that is, we want to, but there's something else underneath that we want more. And usually that thing we want more underneath is in opposition to change. And so until we reckon with that thing underneath that makes change impossible, we'll always tell ourselves, I want to change, but not be aware of the want that's deeper, stronger, more pervasive that prevents it. So I, I think that's the simplest way I can say why we don't change is because we really don't. Deep down, we want something else
1: more. Mm
2: -hmm. What do you guys think though? I mean, that's, that's me, but what do you guys
1: think? That's, That's a really good answer. I'm reflecting on that. I'm just kind of stewing in what you just shared there. Um, I mean, I think honestly, and and Peter and I have talked about this before, I think in our culture, American society, I think um, busyness is one of the big reasons for for people not changing like a hectic yeah gotta like gotta get to the next thing lifestyle that says i can't even slow down to pay attention to what like like what you're describing of of slowing down and going like why am i mad about the onions or why why am i having this anger about football cards or why am i like the, Mm. the the slowing down enough to even make those observations we don't even give ourselves the time to do that. So yeah. as, as I reflect on maybe another thing in our society that makes it difficult, it's that one.
2: I think that's a good word, John. I think we we don't make space for it. Mm. Change, change is actually hard. Mm. And unless we order our lives in a way to make change, it's not going to happen.
0: Mm. You know, I think the only thing I'd add, because sin is the church pastor answer that we're supposed to say so and then the hurriedness and busyness but um and this kind of goes to control uh, you know to quote Emmanuel Hacho like we're unwilling to get uncomfortable like Mm. and yeah and there's there's a part of what you're saying that there's like it's uncomfortable, but it actually leads to comfort, or maybe it leads more to safety. Maybe that's a better word. But, you know, we have so many people that live in echo chambers, or we have so many people that live in their routines. And when Jesus offers even just to die to yourself, you go into an uncomfortable place to be actually, I want to be careful, as I say, like a better place. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and and when I say better place, it doesn't mean like richer, but like, so for me... I'm moving from impatience to patience, like mm-hmm. to move there is really, really uncomfortable on the, on the present. <laughs> but later on, if I'm willing to go there and I think we're seeing that in too for relationships, like, Hey, like yeah. there's some family members and you know, we'll have some fun. Cause if people follow you on, so they just radically <laughs> disagree with me politically, but
2: can
0: can I change and become more like Jesus and be with them in a way that they can change in the right ways, not necessarily the ways that I want them to change? I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: This is huge, Peter. I think this is huge. Saying that God is always present at work Mm. isn't to say that God is always present at work in what I want him to be doing. Mm-hmm. Part of the discipline. So I just think about Peter's life, right? Um, And Peter gets confronted by Paul Mm. in Ephesus because he's not eating with the Gentiles, right? And it's revealed that Peter's got a – I mean, Paul's like apoplectic, right? It's like losing his mind. You've abandoned the gospel, he says to Peter, right? Um, Well, all of that was in Peter's life before. You don't think Jesus ever saw like an ethnocentricity that would compromise the gospel (laughs) in Peter? (laughs) Of course he did. But you know what? I think Jesus was tending to the grace in Peter's life at the moment. You know, rather than like making a list of all the things wrong with Peter. You know, just, you know, he, he didn't even resolve eating food and going into Gentiles' houses. That happened in Acts and so i I think that part of the part of what love requires of us is disciplining ourselves to meet people where they're at and tend to the grace that they can perceive rather than try to shove a Kairos into their mouth, you know mm. <laughs> Hey, God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. Let me tell you about your politics and I'll jacked up there <laughs> you know that kind of thing um so for me, that's. That's part of, and this, I have to t- tend to my own anxiety, man. I mean, there's some people that it's really hard for me to be around and not
1: name things that bother me.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. I don't know if you guys can relate to that.
1: Oh. It's really are you hard. Are me? Holy cow. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> uh. Well, and, and, and Matt and John, I don't know if you've experienced this, like people come to me and say i had a kairos uh, kairos moment with god because you said this and honestly it's the dumbest thing like i think for you know one person i said hey you know when you're driving in your car just turn off the radio or turn off the podcast and they came back to me and they're like man that just made such and i'm like that like that's I heard that from a spiritual director (laughs) that I'm passing on to you yeah and it wasn't intended to like force it was just an offhanded comment and I think even what you're saying is when we become more engaged in what God's doing in our life these kairos moments happen around us and we're able to kind of sit back and go well that was pretty dumb but God used that or that was pretty you know
2: you know I don't know (laughs) I don't
0: know does that make sense
2: yeah, I think it does. Yeah. yeah. But I think we just become more sensitive and aware. Mm-hmm. I mean, this changed the way I've done evangelism with people, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't have to get people, I don't have to trick people into a conversation about Jesus mm-hmm. or con- or try to convince people they're wrong and I'm right. I could just look for, basically, I can just look for places of common grace where they're experiencing God's goodness mm-hmm. and, and affirm why it's good. Or look for places of despair and pain and say, this is why this hurts, you know, and, and bring, just bring the kingdom of God around it. Not in a coercive way, but in a, this is how I make sense of what's going on with you. You know, and I, I find all kinds of ways of, of non-coercively just sharing about Jesus with people. And Mm. they're like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. Oh, I never thought of it like that. You know, this is just not this sparring match i don't know i hate that stuff
0: wow this 55 minutes went uh by really really fast um i don't know if we've ever had an episode like this so matt thanks for going (laughs) thanks for going on the journey with us you know
2: we'll see what happens yeah this is great guys this is great i didn't know we were gonna uh get into um uh buffalo bills training camp (laughs) and um, sippy cups and everything else but this has been awesome. Yeah. I, re- I really enjoyed being with you guys. Yeah.
0: Well, we do have one final question and we've kind of answered it, but I think it'd be good to clear. It's what does Jesus have to say? Why is it so hard to change? And uh, so John and I will answer and kind of like you've been doing this whole episode is you'll just clean up our mess. Does that sound yeah. good?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to go first? You're looking at me, Pete. Oh, I'm looking for direction. Okay. So oh, oh go, that's go, fine. Go. I'll go, go first. I'll go first. Um, as I think about what Jesus would say about this, I just, I'm, I, I reflect a little bit about this earlier. And, I, and as Matt is talking, I'm just uh, convinced at it a, more even in that I think Jesus, I'm just so thankful. I'm leaving this conversation thankful for the patience of Jesus. Like I think sometimes yes. within the church, we can portray Jesus as like, Jesus needs you to change right now, all of you, every single piece, now, now, quick, change. And you think about the disciples that were around Jesus for three years, nonstop, and they were still messed up. Um, Now, they did end up changing over time, but for all of us, change is a journey. And I'm just so, leaving this conversation so grateful that Jesus is patient in the midst of our change that Jesus isn't forceful for us yeah. to change, but he invites us into a deeper level of change. And as we lean into him, we can then experience a more full life as he intended us to live it. So mm-hmm. uh, that's how I'm, what I'm taking away from this conversation. How about,
0: how about you? Babe? No, I I appreciate yes. that, John. Um, you know, as, as I was preparing for this podcast, you know, I've kind of spent the year in the Gospel of John and you know, John fourteen six is the famous, Jesus is the way, truth, and life. And there, there's a lot of theological underpinnings and conversations that people have. But I think people forget that in John 15, a few verses later, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if, mm-hmm. if you discredit the vine and the branches about abiding with Jesus from him being the way, the truth, and the life... You're going to miss out on what he called you to experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our hope is that even by all three of us delving into the deepness of our brokenness, of our pain, yeah. our anger, and our frustration, Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. And he's called us to abide in such a deep way that there's good news for even the most minuscule frustration in our life. That maybe in those simple places, God wants to give us life where we never thought we could in a way that we never thought we Mm -hmm. would. And I'll even close my thought with this, is that, you know, even what Matt said about the irritation and frustration that won't be in the kingdom of heaven, you know, that we're experiencing the already not yet, not as some theological or even therapeutical, but as a very practical reality right now. Yeah.
2: Amen, you guys. That's great. I don't know if anything needs to be added to that. It's <laughs> really good. Yeah, I, I guess I just say like, if this is hard, if if a listener is listening, it's hard for you to fathom that God is patient with you, that Jesus is patient with you, that your your, your deepest brokenness and badness and darkness, that God isn't a, a primarily offended or disgusted, but he is tender hearted. Um, I know a lot of people experience God like that. And I just wanna say like, it's one of the reasons we wrote this book, but, it's, but you are much more like the child welcomed up onto Jesus's lap than you are. The person with power hurting other people that Jesus calls to repent mm. you know and and like what would that invitation to sit on Jesus's lap what would that do to you what would you be able to do if you could just sit there and waste Jesus' time <laughs> right just sit there and all the important people around Jesus are telling him he's wasting time that's that's the image I got as both of you spoke that there's this prodigality to God's patience this lavishness to his love that many of us often don't experience Mm. and I think that was the picture that I thought of when both of you were speaking
0: Matt um I I got to do this because this is what we did, but uh, you know, you folks can go to Ivy press. Krista Clayton uh, has given our listeners for, you know, the two weeks after this airs, if you put the code, why God, you get a discount. So we hope you buy a book. Um, What's the name of the book? The book is, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, just having the book. mind of Christ. Just, just buy a book.
1: <laughs> Go to the Ivy press and buy a book. <laughs> you yeah. know, buy whichever one you like. <laughs> this is why we you have probably
0: a, tell you him know, the name movie. of the book. Having I don't know. having the mind of Christ: ate axiom of a robust faith. You know, we'll do. You know, if if you follow us on social media, we'll connect you with the rest of it. I, I feel like the most appropriate way to end this episode matt is just to have you just pray for our listeners as they kind of engage this and um we'll close after you say amen
2: sure sure jesus we thank you that your kindness and patience and goodness is really beyond fathom and we long in our bodies not just in our brains or on our podcast we long in our bodies and our relationships to know that to know it intimately the way that you know us. So Lord, would you give us grace today to be more fully present? Uh, we, I want to uh, I just pray for surprise and wonder and compassion to um, well up in listeners' lives. And may the next time that we experience joy and peace, may we know that you're near and the next time we experience fear irritation, may we know you're near too. And sit on your lap in both. We ask this, Jesus, in your name and for your love's sake. Amen.